Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Joshua. Good morning, faithful listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in on this lovely Monday morning. Today, we're going to be reading Joshua chapter eight, verses 24 through 35 today. As I always do, I'm going to be reading out of the W.E.B. version. But I have to tell you guys, before we begin, I'm very sad. I'm very sad because I haven't gotten an email from you guys in quite a while. I have not received one email. And I just love getting your guys' emails. So you are going to find my business email address listed in the description of this podcast episode. And I would love for you to email me with an answer to this question. Where do you live? And what is your favorite book of the Bible? Not that we've done on the podcast, but just in general. What is your favorite book of the Bible and why do you like it? I would love to hear that response and I will answer that question right now for you guys. My favorite book of the Bible is actually the book of Judges. (laughs) We are actually going to be talking about Judges in season seven. That's the next chapter after Joshua. So I'm excited, really excited to talk about the book of Judges. But let's start with uh, Joshua chapter 8 today, verses 24 through 35. We're going to finish out this chapter. Please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer to read out of and also your favorite beverage this morning, whether it's tea or coffee or an energy drink or water, whatever you want. And let's enjoy scripture reading together. When Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness in which they pursued them, and they had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, all of Israel returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. All fell that day, both of men and women were 12,000, even all the people of Ai. For Joshua didn't draw back his hand with which he stretched out the javelin until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai. Israel took for themselves only the livestock and the goods of that city, according to Yahweh's word, which he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, even a desolation to this day. He hanged the king of Ai on a tree until the evening. At sundown, Joshua commanded, and they took his body down from the tree and threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city and raised a great heap of stones on it that remains to this day. Then Joshua built an altar to the Lord, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of Yahweh, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones on which no one had lifted up any iron. They offered burnt offerings on it to Yahweh and sacrificed peace offerings. He wrote there on the stones a copy of Moses' law, which he wrote in the presence of all the children of Israel. All Israel, with their elders, officers, and judges, stood on both sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of Yahweh's covenant, the foreigner as well as the native, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal. As Moses, the servant of Yahweh, had commanded at the first that they should bless the people of Israel. Afterward, he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua didn't read, before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the foreigners who were among them. So we just finished talking about how Joshua had set up this great ambush for the city of Ai. And the city of Ai was the second city that Israel was about to conquer. Now, of course, the first time they went out to go uh, battle it out with Ai, Israel came back in total defeat because someone in the Israelite camp had broken the covenant with God. 
However, God used that for the advantage of Israel in a way because he used that past mistake that Israel had made in the battle of Ai in their favor. So Ai thought that Israel was running away like the first time before and every single man that was like of warrior age, I guess, went out of Ai and left the, the city gates of Ai like wide open. And so it was totally unprotected. So the rest of Israel that was like part of the ambush goes into Ai and starts burning it. So now all of a sudden, all these like warrior AI men look behind them and they see the fire and smoke basically rising up into the heavens is what it says. And they got so confused and so like flabbergasted from this that they didn't know what to do. So they got caught in the ambush and Israel now we see ends up striking all of them. Here's what it says in verse 24. When Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, so in other words, all the the men that had left Ai to go fight, it says that they went into the city and struck it with the edge of the sword. And all people of Ai fell that day, both men and women. So 12,000 people fell in this battle of Ai. There's very few times when God commands Israel to totally destroy a place. And this was one of those times. And I don't know much about the history of AI. I don't really know what they did. But they were a pagan foreign land. A land that was totally anti-God. And when people are anti-God long enough and they become so corrupt, eventually God does step in and act. And eventually he will show righteous judgment towards somebody who is completely corrupt. So that's what happened for AI. God told Joshua to totally strike AI, which is what Joshua did. And it says that 12,000 people died in AI. That's a lot of people. That's a lot more, I think, than Israel initially thought were in the city. Because don't forget, when Israel went out the first time, they only sent 3,000 foot soldiers to go strike AI. And they said, oh, it's because, you know, AI is a small city. We can do it with 3,000 men. They even said to Joshua, send 2,000 men. Send two or 3,000 men. Joshua ended up sending uh, 3,000 men. But it's just funny that Israel thought that they could take a city of 12,000 people with only 2,000 people. That kind of shows the, the amount of arrogance, I suppose, Israel had the first time they went out to try to war it out with AI. That's, that kind of shows the amount of arrogance here. But there's another thing I want to mention. When Israel went out the first time, 36 men, 36 Israelite men ended up dying in that battle. When you think about it, that's not a lot. That's not a lot in the grand scheme of things. Only 36 people died out of uh, 3,000 foot soldiers. That's not a ton. Of course, it was enough to scare Israel a whole lot. Because with the Battle of Jericho, not one man, not one Israelite man had died in that battle. But this just shows the difference of when God is on your side and when he's not. Because even though Israel lost 36 men, God was still Israelites' God, if that makes sense. However, AI had nothing to do with God whatsoever. AI clearly had nothing to do with God because God ordered Joshua to destroy the entire city of Ai. Look at what happens to Ai. 
12,000 people, the entire city ends up dying. The entire city. Because not only was God not with AI, God was fully 100% against AI. So this just shows that we want God on our side. (laughs) We want God on our side because even when the covenant had gotten broken with God, only 36 Israelite men had died in that battle. And that was when God wasn't on Israel's side. But when God is 100% against you, that's bad. That is bad for you. That is bad for anybody when God is against you. No one can stand when God is against you. So in this battle now, AI is totally destroyed and not one recorded Israelite man was killed in this battle. And that is because God was on Israel's side. The covenant was totally rebuilt between God and the Israelites. God was fully against the people of AI and the AI people died and Israel was given this glory and this honor. So Joshua ends up burning AI and he made it a heap forever. So a heap of rubble. That is what AI was. However, they did save a lot of things out of the city. The livestock and all the goods of the city. And that's because God did want to give the promised land to the Israelites. So, of course, the Israelites were going to be able to go into battle and take of the spoils of war. We kind of talked about that on Friday and how Achan in his sin had so much greed during Jericho that he couldn't wait for God to give him anything. But the fact of the matter is, is that God wanted to give the promised land to the people. And so he allowed the Israelites to go in and take from Ai. So anything that was livestock or any goods of the city. That is what the Israelites were allowed to have. And it says that they also killed the king of Ai and they hung him on a tree until the evening. And then at sundown, Joshua told them to get the body off the tree and to bury it in front of the gates of the city. And this was to make sure to not break a law because God actually told the Israelites that bodies were not allowed to hang overnight. So if a criminal was hung on a tree, the body couldn't hang there until the morning. He had to be buried at night. And so that's what Joshua does. So now, not only does Joshua follow that rule, But Joshua also builds an altar to Yahweh, the God of Israel on Mount Ebal, just as Moses had commanded. So if you guys remember me talking about Deuteronomy chapter 27, which I don't expect you guys to remember that because I didn't remember and I had to go back and actually listen to that episode so I could remind myself what I talked about. (laughs) Moses made this command from God, obviously, that the Israelites, once they got into the promised land, they were to build an altar of uncut stones. And this altar was specifically made to be very plain looking. And that is because if anybody did anything to make the altar beautiful, people might begin to worship it. So the altar was supposed to be very plain. And it was just supposed to be made out of uncut stones. And then the stones were to be, you know, uh, covered in plaster. And then the words of the law were to be written on the plaster. I made the argument that I only thought the Ten Commandments were to be written on the altar, mainly because 
The Ten Commandments really summarize the entire law. But anyway, Joshua follows this law and he makes this altar of uncut stones, which no one had lifted up any iron tool. And then they offered the burnt offerings on it to Yahweh and then they sacrificed the peace offerings, just as God commanded Joshua to do way back in Deuteronomy chapter 27. So now, not only that, Joshua also follows the next command that went right after that, which was the blessings and the cursings. You might remember me talking about that because we covered the blessings and the cursings for like several days. There are so many curses that they actually took up like three chapters of the end of Deuteronomy. But half of the tribes were supposed to bless Israel on Mount Gerizim. And then the other half of the tribes were to curse Israel on Mount Ebal. So Joshua follows this rule. He puts half the tribes on Mount Ebal and half the tribes on Mount Gerizim. And I have actually wondered how all of the people would be able to hear Joshua read. But it's very possible that there were several people reading at one time. It wasn't just Joshua reading. It was possibly the Levitical priests reading some of it or some of the elders. It could have been that way. Or I learned on Enduring Word that the two mountains were very close to each other. And so in the valley there, it was like an amphitheater. And Joshua would have been able to project very well. And so maybe the people would have been able to hear just in general very well where they were, all the law that Joshua is about to state. And so it says that afterward in verse 34, he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. It says there was not a word of all that Moses commanded, which Joshua didn't read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, and the foreigners who were among them. So this was for everybody. This was for all of Israel, even the foreigners who lived with the Israelites. Every single person there, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of nationality, were to listen to God's law. And this is obviously because God loves every single human being. And the law was truly made for everybody. The law was given to the Israelites, but the Israelites were to bless the entire world with the law God gave them. That was the point of the Israelites. And honestly, the end of this is kind of just the beginning of the Israelites' story of the promised land. But Joshua is starting out on the right foot by reading all of the words of the law to the Israelites so that they remember it, so that they can hear it. And I believe this was supposed to be done every seven years, or maybe it was every year. I don't remember, but it was supposed to be done pretty consistently. The law was supposed to be read to every single person. This wasn't like a special law for one person. This wasn't a special law just for the Levites or just for the Israelites. This was a law for everybody. And God was giving it to everybody. And he was pretty clear. God was very clear that he wanted every single person to be able to study the law. So as Israel is establishing itself finally in the promised land, they are establishing themselves with the law that God gives them. And this just shows how you and I are supposed to establish our own lives. It reminds me of the verse that Jesus talks about where the man built his house on the rock and the winds came and the floods came and the rains came and everything tried to knock down this house, but it stood strong because its foundation was rock. And that is what God obviously calls himself. He is the rock. He is our shelter and he is a fortress. So he's the rock. And our lives are supposed to be totally built around the rock 
So everything we have in scripture, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, are our rock. And that's what we're supposed to line up our morals with, our values with, how we pick a church, how we live our lives, how we vote, how we raise a family, how we do anything. Everything is supposed to go back to the foundation and everything that we have been taught from scriptures. All right, you guys. Well, guess what? I have a YouTube video that will be up today. I'm very much looking forward to presenting that one to you. It is talking about why good things happen to bad people. And I talk about why good things happen to bad Christians and why good things happen to bad non-Christians. And I talk about a biblical standpoint regarding that question that has so many people so stumped, including myself sometimes. (laughs) I'm just like, man, why is that person that is just so awful getting so much, you know, blessings? So I talk about that on the YouTube channel. And if you haven't gone over to YouTube and subscribed, please go do that because I have content on YouTube that I don't have anywhere else. And I'm really planning on building up my YouTube channel and doing a lot more interviews and getting a lot more stuff for YouTube only. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, thank you for tuning into this episode and starting out your week in scripture. I will see you tomorrow for an episode out of John, where we're going to talk about Jesus going to the cross. Until then, happy listening and God bless.